Blog Talk Radio. I just want to say what. Talking Terror fans nationwide and worldwide. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. So you know what that means. It's Talking Terror time. I'm your old pal, King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to the pre-Christmas episode of the show. Uh, Tonight, it is the Mad Monkey's pick, and he decided to go with 2015's Krampus. So we're going to discuss that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Unfortunately, the ghoul uh, could not be here tonight due to his work schedule, It's a little rough on him lately, so we're going to give him the night off. But fear not, because we are joined once again, another gentleman who is on the show who's been having a rough go of it in December, the Demonic Doctor himself. Dave, welcome back to the show, brother. Uh, Thank you very much. It's it's great to be here. It's great to be back, uh, you know, for all of you listening out there. Uh, November and December are very tough times for me in regards to my schedule. I am happy to be here this evening, tonight, to talk about... Excellent. So how have you been since we last spoke? It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, You know, just been super busy with work and stuff. But, you know, uh, I've been really upset to have to miss so many episodes, uh, but I'm happy to be back tonight. Excellent. And we are glad that you're back uh, because, like I had said, this is the pre-Christmas episode. So we're going to be talking about some Christmas stuff, including Krampus. But speaking of people that pick movies, Med Monkey, this is your pick. Get out of your cage. Get down with the tapioca. Let's do it, buddy. Hey there, Fright fans. It's your satanic simian, the Mad Monkey, broadcasting to you live from my cozy little padded cell at the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. Nurse Johnson and I just got back in from pelting a bunch of killers with some special tapioca snowballs. Oh, because we do love the holidays, but Nurse Johnson and I really, really hate killers. How are you fellas doing tonight? Just fine, Monkey, just fine. Thank you for that intro. And for the pick that we're going to be discussing uh, later on in the show. Um, I'm looking so forward as we to always it. do it. <laughs> We, yeah, always, uh, we, we cover some news in the horror uh, community. Whether or not it's horror, that's up for debate. Like I said, while the Demonic Doctor was gone, we did cover some comic book news, some Marvel movies. Uh, but I wanted to kick this off on kind of a bummer note. So I wanted to get the bummer note out of the way pretty quick. Rip that before, before, you get, before you get to okay. your bummer note, I just want to say sure. I'm so, so, so happy that you decided to cover the comic book and Marvel business when I wasn't there. That really warms my heart because there's nothing that sends me wanting to run out of the window faster than comic book and Marvel talk. So kudos oh, for yeah. using the myriad episodes that I missed to, to cover that. <laughs> and you are most welcome, my friend. Yes. Uh, the ghoul even said it. He goes, Hey, listen, demonic doctor, he's out. So let's talk about comic book stuff. So it was the perfect time to do that while you were gone. 
so that you didn't have to feel like you had to commit suicide because of this poor fucking comic book news that we had to talk about. Yeah, I don't uh, know that I'd go that far, but uh, you know, I would I wouldn't well, be happy to be sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, there boring, bored out of my mind, jumping out of windows, tra- tra- being bored. Give himself a shitload of paper cuts on the wrist with graphic novels and <laughs> back issues. <laughs> yeah, fuck Spider Man, man. I just want to talk about my shit. I know that's fine because you're back and we're not going to be talking about that. Um, so, like I said, uh, one is kind of cut it off with some bummer news because earlier today it was revealed that. Steve Dash, who played Jason Voorhees in Friday 13th Part 2, passed away due to diabetes-related complications. Um, It was kind of sudden because I am friends with him on Facebook, and he had uh, been in the hospital, had a leg amputated, uh, assumed everything was going to be fine, and he was going to be golfing for another six to eight weeks. But unfortunately, as complications are, uh, it took his life. Um, So it's it's a sad thing. I know that the ghoul can't be here tonight. Uh, he did meet Steve Dash. We actually met him together. Uh, there's a picture of the ghoul and Steve Dash on our Facebook page if you want to check that out. So, unfortunately, we can't have that story. But I wanted to get your guys' opinion on Friday 13th Part 2, because that's the first appearance of adult Jason uh, in the bag and not wearing the hockey mask. So, where did this one fall for you guys? Did you see it first before the hockey mask Jason movies, or did you see it kind of after, and you're like, what the fuck? Why is he wearing a bag on his head? That's not Jason. Go ahead, John. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jump in right there. So when I think back to my my life as a, a viewer of the Friday the 13th series, I'm pretty sure that the first one uh, that I had seen was Part 5. <laughs> and I had known all about Friday the 13th and Jason and the hockey mask and all of this, but as far as actually seeing the movie, Part 5 was the first one. Uh, when I finally got around to going back to the beginning, uh, you know, I, ha- I I was so puzzled and so confused because what am I watching? Where what where is their hockey mask killer? Like what what is going on here? And obviously, uh, I learned a much different story than what I had learned from watching Part Five or chunks of Part Five, whatever it was that I had seen. Uh, but yeah, I thought that uh, you know the hockey mask has become so iconic in in horror lore and, and there's no disputing that it, maybe it's the most recognizable image. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that mask and Freddie's glove are tied for the most iconic image. But anyway, I always thought that Friday the 13th part two with the bag, uh, was really scary compared to the hockey mask. Cause Mm -hmm. I, when I was seeing this, whatever year Friday, the do do anybody know off the top of their head, what year Friday the 13th five was, was that 1985, 1986, 86. All right, so I'm like 10, so I'm like 10 years old. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long after that, that I went back to the beginning. So I'm only like 11, maybe 12, you know, still, uh, terrified in awe of this stuff, not jaded or, you know, not affected by it in the same way. And part two was very scary to me. And I thought that the bag look was, uh, was a scary look. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, you know, Monkey, what do you think about uh, Part 2? Where does it fall for you within the Pantheon? Man, see, see, this is weird, man, because, yeah, my first Friday the 13th movie was also Part 5. Wow. <laughs> this, this is so weird, Doc. Um, yeah, but I didn't see it until so it was... Um, yeah, uh, I didn't see it until 89 is when I saw it for the first time, was Part 5. And, yeah, like Fazak said, going back in your you know, working your way through the Friday the 13th and 
you know, back then it was kind of, you know, grab whichever one you could at the video store, you know, didn't really so much have to be in sequence because you were just trying to pick up on something about the legacy or whatever you could get. So you were picking up all of those Friday the 13th stuff in bits and pieces here and there. And then when you finally were able to work your way back to number two, and yeah, you've got this bag and again, you know, reiterating what the doc said, you know, you're like, what the hell is going on? But at the same time, I think the bag at the time worked really, really well, you know, to bump it up and take it, the story in a new direction and give us Jason. You know, he's actually giving us Jason. That's the first time we actually see adult Jason <clears throat> with the weird-ass thing. My only thing was, how the fuck could he see out of the fucking bag? You know, <laughs> with the only with one, one eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but still, it's like, you know, you go back and, yeah, this was where we first get introduced to the guy who's going to become our iconic killer, you know, <laughs> for the rest of our lives. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, um, and it's, yeah. it's a big deal. It is. Um, yeah, and that, that, uh, that Jason, that particular Jason, that's the only figure that I have on my shelf right now is from part two. And it's because I love that look. And, and like we had said, we all agree. The hockey mask is iconic. When you see, you know exactly what it is. It's Jason's mask. But there was something about the outfit that he wore in part two with the overalls and the flannel shirt underneath. Um, mm-hmm. the reveal at the end when he takes the bag off that he's got really long red hair, you know, beard stubble. He looks like a freak. He's not the bald headed Jason that we get in the rest of the films. Um, it was kind of something that I wonder about of, of whether or not they really thought this was going to be a hit. If they even kind of considered making it into a franchise after part two. And that's why it's such a drastic different look between part two and part three is uh, toying with things because of them not even knowing if it's going to make it past part two. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Go ahead, Lucky. Go ahead, Doc. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, it's, it, part two is what makes it fun is them trying to continue the saga, but they don't really know, you know, that they've established a franchise yet. They're, they're just trying to, right. you know, jump, jump onto the success of the first movie and just keep the story going, you know, and... It's it's so weird. It's like to look back on this and the you know the beginnings of a franchise and its early days and just the things that they were trying and to see what would stick and what would work, you know. And I I just really really have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, uh, Doc. Yeah, I mean I have nothing new there. I kind of feel you know pretty much the same way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also. Part two is the one that has that fun kind of shrouded in controversy aspect of it, of who played Jason, um, because you did have two different uh, actors playing the role of Jason. Um, credited for part two is Warrington Gillette III. He's the one that you see in the credits of the movie, both in the beginning and at the end. So you don't really get Steve Dash being credited as playing Jason. What Steve Dash would tell everybody is that he did play Jason throughout the entire film, there was only certain shots that you see Warrington, and most specifically it's when he's out of the bag. The makeup effect was Warrington Gillette. Everything else was Steve Dash. So it's always been this constant kind of battle back and forth of who was the real Jason. Steve Dash goes on record and says, I'm the real Jason. I did all the stunts. I did all the kills. I should be credited for it, but Warrington kind of gets that credit, and it's undeserved because he was afraid to do the stunts. I wasn't. So that's, uh, you know, what – the whole controversy of Rose was, and it's going to go on to this day, even past uh, passing. Um, 
And the other so fun Dash, story was uh, – go ahead, Monkey, yeah. Uh, no, I was just going to just reiterate. So Dash was the one who pretty much did 90% of the filming for Friday 13th Part 2? 95%. Okay. Is what he used so, to say. So, and the, the okay. only thing that warranted it was a reveal of the face uh, yeah, coming through the uh, Okay. And that so, was the only thing that he did. Yeah. You can say, oh, they have this controversy and this argument. Uh, those two, well, obviously they can't now because uh, of, of this death. But, like, gentlemen, and when I say gentlemen, I'm talking to those guys. Like, who fucking cares? You should both yeah. be thanking your lucky fucking stars that in 2018 anybody's even talking about this shit to begin with. Agreed. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, Steve Dash, I mean, he's you known both, for little You both were Jason, like that, but, right? You both yeah. were Jason. One stunts, one did something else. You both were Jason in Friday the Thirteenth yeah. Part Two. The fact that people are have any interest in talking about who played Jason in in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two all these years later, like just fucking enjoy that for itself. It, it, does it really matter at this point? No, and it should. At least not to me, anyway. I just think it's yeah, one of those funny things people argue. Yeah, a point of contention. Maybe it's a point of pride. Whatever it may be, but like you're still being talked about in 2018. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what it all comes down to. You know, they're both being talked about, and, and Steve is being talked about tonight. Obviously, you know, Warrington, you know, goes on the uh, the tour circuits, and it's fine. Like you had said, either way, people are talking about you. You know, what have you done since Friday Thirteenth Part Two? <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Probably not a lot. Yeah, I can shoot, but we're still going to be talking mm-hmm. about you. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, that's my little bit, uh, Doc. I know sometimes you bring up uh, articles and things for us to discuss. Uh, so, do you have anything for us? Yeah, you know, I've been I've been uh, you know, out of here for so long. Uh there are so many things that I didn't get to talk about, you know, even I didn't even get to talk about Halloween. Um I I did not get to talk about the season finale of The Walking Dead. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean the mid season finale of The Walking Dead. Um I don't know if there was any was there any I know it got posted last week, the day of the show. Was there any discussion last week on the, the, the die hard stuff or, or was that not talked about? No, we didn't we didn't talk about that. No. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I do want to just wrap right back around to what I said, mostly about sure. the the mid season finale of The Walking Dead, which I don't really want to talk about. But what I do want to talk about was that I was reading today uh, that the new showrunner uh, for uh, for The Walking Dead, um, and, uh, Angela Kang, uh, had dropped the detail today. I don't know if you guys have seen this. That the instead of it being uh, when the when the when the when the second half of the season comes out, instead of it having not a huge time jump the way uh, the previous season was to this one, but sometimes it like it jumps ahead or opens with another scene. Uh, when this when this season resumes, it's going to be picking up at the exact moment uh, that the previous half ended. Like it's going to pick right on up in the cemetery um, with the face off with the with the whispers, uh, Jesus being killed, and all of that. So. Uh, I think that's pretty cool that we're going to be kind of right in that moment. It's not going to be something else going on where we're then we're going to be like, oh, well, what happened at the cemetery? So I thought that was right. a really interesting piece of news. Great way oh, to do well, it. I, cool. I agree. Yeah, definitely agree. That's the way to do it. Don't do a time jump. Just put us right back into the fire. I think that's a great yeah, way to do and, it. You know, I just, my, my, again, I don't want to get into a whole Walking Dead discussion right now, but uh, I, I will say that um, I thought the ending of that season, while – you know, maybe not uh, pulled off as effective as it could have been um, strategically. 
I I really dig this introduction of this villain group, the Whispers. I had I had heard something. Oh, there's some group, the Whispers, but I had no idea uh, that that's what this was and uh, how they were slowly introduced up until this sequence at the end. I thought it was really cool, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how. Uh, that all comes about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I had read the comic books, so I knew about the Whisperers. I knew what they're capable of. I thought that the show did a fantastic job of introducing who they are. Um, I can't wait to see how evil they go because they definitely do a lot of evil shit. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how dark they can go with the, the stuff. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where they pick up in that cemetery uh, when it resumes, I think, in February. I think is when it's supposed to come back, if I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't have the date in front of me, but that that stuff always. Oh, there it is, February tenth. Yeah, it's always February. Uh, that's what yeah. I was about to say. It always comes in yeah. February, but it is. It will be Sunday, February tenth. For those who are keeping score. So yeah, it's Doc, did you say, Halloween. Oh, Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say just to jump in super super fast was just didn't you say though that like comic book storyline wise the whispers are actually something that's way way down the road. It was supposed to be, yeah. But they, they escalated things on The Walking Dead because Negan was even supposed to be way down the line. But they ended up bumping up Negan because they wanted to bring in a new bad. You know, they wanted to bring in a new oh, villain. Oh, okay. So, all right. Yeah. Everything is kind right, of advanced. So, yeah, that's all. <laughs> but uh, like I was going to say, Doc, uh, you know, I do want to get your opinion of Halloween because I know that we were kind of busy the one week that we did bring it up, the ghoul and I. And I honestly you know, do want to get your perspective because I think it's a, a you know opinion that I've been wanting to hear because I haven't heard anything about your opinion of Halloween. Yeah, so you I kind of want to get it. I, I feel I feel it's a pretty big discussion, and I feel like uh, that is one that I do wish uh, that the uh, ghoul could be joining us for. But I will say this: I know that uh, the the DVD, the Blu-ray, and all of that stuff is uh, on the horizon, coming coming yeah. very soon. Maybe even uh, in, a, in maybe in like a week or two, maybe just after Christmas. Um, I don't have the exact date, but how about, uh, you know, when that comes out and we kind of get a chance to, like, maybe check out some of the special features or something sure. like that, maybe we can kind of revisit that a little bit then because I don't want to – I have a lot to talk yeah. about with it, and I'm sure that that will lead to lengthy discussion. And uh, that's not just – that's not, it's not just – I haven't even been thinking about it today. I'd like to have a little time to think about it and get my thoughts together about it again. No, I, I think that works pretty well because that will give a chance for the monkey to see it as well, you know, when it gets to the digital format. So. So the monkey hasn't seen it yet. No, I have not. What's the matter with you? I have not. I've been busy watching stuff for the show. <laughs> oh, that's a tepid excuse. That's a very fickle we've been, response. We've been talking. We've been fickle. talking about this thing. I, I think it was the, the 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 upcoming movie. Excuse me, the upcoming movie that we discussed at length numerous times before it got here, uh, ever, and you didn't even see it, and it's. <laughs> How, how could you not have gone and seen it? I, I mean, I went to the movies by myself to see it, just so I could get to see it in the theater. Um, how could you not go see it in the theater? Yes, yes, yes. I'm a bad horror host. I'm sorry. I didn't have a chance I mean, to see it. I'm you better than me because I, I see nothing. I see nothing. No, I don't see anything. Uh, you know, majority no, of horror, like cool. 99% of it's the cool. horror movies that I watch that are for the show, so it's not like I'm watching a bunch of horror, but like, come on, man. <laughs> it's pretty looking pretty bad for the monkey. I know. But he'll get there. He'll get there eventually. All right. Yeah. I was, uh, I was instead watching a bunch of like porn with Nurse Johnson. And, you know, we just kept getting carried away. And then we kept doing this like tantric masturbation shit. Oh, wait. No, that's the 
I was just about to say, when, when did you become, I was just about to say, when did you become the ghoul? What, what are you <laughs> All of a sudden, he just, the ghoul's not here, so the monkey takes over. He's just taking the spirit <laughs> of the ghoul. <laughs> when, he's not, when he's not at home. Uh, but yeah, okay, so go ahead, uh, Doc. You know, with some other things you want yeah, to talk so, about. I know you said you so want to bring up Die so Hard. While we're on, yeah, so, so you know what, while we're, I'll segue right here. While we're on reboots, uh, I know, uh, uh, yes or no question, are you guys uh, people in the camp of people that are excited about this upcoming Child's Play reboot? Are you guys excited about that? I know I am. I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't know about excited, but I'm definitely interested in seeing what they do. Because I think, you know, why not? You know, MGM could probably do a good job, you know, especially with new technology and how it's supposed to be completely like AI. So I'm looking to see how they play that without it being an evil that's spirit. Funny. So, um, yeah. That's Go interesting. Ahead. That you say that because what I was just about to to bring up, which I was reading about today, was that the word from the set is that uh, when it comes to 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 Chucky, uh, they're doing complete and total uh, practical effects and on set puppet work. Puppet yeah, work. really. And they're just going to mix yep. a little bit of digital enhancements. Um, so I was thought it was cool that they're they're gonna do puppetry. Um and you know, you know yeah. digitally of course. But like yeah. you know, I, I I didn't see anything about this being like artificial intelligence or or, or Yeah, it's that yeah, that's one of the things is this new movie is supposed to be they're updating the whole Chucky thing to where it's um for a new it's not just gonna be a stuffed doll. It's supposed to be like an AI kind of thing that's interactive. Um, <clears throat> you can t- get the app and do stuff on your tablet or your phone to interact with it, and it'll do stuff through that. Um, one of the things we brought up was the viral site that they launched for the the movie that's coming up, and it's it's only got a couple things on the website now. It's like got a statement from the company you know, that supposedly makes the dolls, you know, saying what their aim is with the new Chucky dolls and how it's supposed to become a new interactive part of your family. Mm-hmm. They're buddy dolls this time around, too. B-U-D-D-I. Yeah. Oh, oh, so yeah. you mean, you, so what you were referring to is that, like, what the doll is in context of the movie when a kid acquires one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. how you could download apps and things like that and control it. I thought you were referring to, to like the, the, the screen uh, and movie-making technology of how they were going to do the Chucky doll. I didn't realize you were talking about uh, you know, what the doll is in this modern technological age. That makes more sense. It does. Yeah, that, yeah that's I'm, what they're, they're going for. Yeah, I was saying like that, you know, that's what they were going for story-wise with the doll this time. Which Got is what it. I like. I like the fact that they're doing that because the plot line is that there is a person that works on the assembly line making these buddy dolls, um, and he's going insane as he's making these dolls, so he decides to take all the codes out from this one doll that could make it violent. So he's taking out all the things that make it good, and he's making it violent. And before they could stop him, he kills himself, and they don't know how to change it back. So they still fucking voice the doll. It's still getting released. But it's fucking evil. All right, but that's and, but that's. I feel like that's a. I don't want to. I don't think realistic is the right term, but better than the fucking. Oh no. The spirit moving from human <laughs> yeah. to doll. Exactly. You know, yeah, it's not Charles Technological uh, <clears throat> mayhem and hijinks is you know that that could happen. 
you know, maybe not in that yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Well, we've already seen it. We've already seen it with fucking hoverboards blowing up all over the damn place <laughs> and shit like that. You know, where yeah. we already we already have faulty toys getting released to the public and doing damage to the consumers. So yeah, you know, why not take this and then up it up and go ahead and bring Chucky into it with this kind of stuff going on. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I th- I'm, you know, I'm kind of excited about it, and you know, the, the possible spin-off storyline. Yeah, and I'm excited honestly because the monkey gave me my own good guys doll yesterday, so I have my own oh. good guys doll oh, in my that's, apartment. That's very sweet. That's very. <laughs> and it's on a little yeah. package. I mean, it hasn't burst yeah. out of the package yet and tried to stab me to death. So that's good. That's good. So, that's because it hasn't. It, that's because it hasn't learned that your name is actually Andy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's gonna be a problem. At some point, I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and it's going to be saying all these fucking things over my head. But no, it's fine. Chucky's in the package. My good guy, though. So. Thank you for that. We're going to fucking stay. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, yeah. King. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he's in his safe package. But all right, so, Doc, what else do you have for us? Uh... Just a just a small piece of news that that made me happy and and maybe I won't even be that happy because I haven't even watched the original series. Uh, but we we have talked before about the uh, season that debuted earlier this year on AMC, uh, the TV show The Terror, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which was uh, you know a season of a TV show based on an absolute fantastic book I love uh, it, that yeah. I read. Yeah, that I read several years ago. Uh, really loved the book and was stoked to see that I was coming to a series. And uh, what happened was I had set my DVR to record it and uh, wasn't able to get to it for a couple of weeks. And then I went and it just it wasn't there. Uh, wow. I don't know what happened. It just it just I maybe I, I probably made a mistake, but you know I mm. I didn't get to see it. So it's still high on my list, and I have my my very long holiday break uh, starting and I was thinking about maybe watching it over the course of my break, but uh, they're, they're making a season two and assuming, and I haven't seen the show, but assuming that the, the season one ended, uh, you know, in the fashion of the book, what I have learned is that uh, the season two of this show is taking place. Uh, it's a complete original creation uh, mm-hmm. that is taking place a hundred years after uh, the incidents of the first season uh, surrounding uh, World War II, uh, the West Coast, uh, Japanese internment, uh, things such as that, and sign on to be one of the stars, which is the news that made me really happy, is none other than George Takei. Oh, oh perfect. Oh, shit. Love yes. Oh, um, So I, I have to say that I was never a person, and still am not a Star Trek person, but mm. I am a avid listener of the Howard Stern show and George has over the years become a very uh, frequent guest. Sometimes he's the official announcer of the show, but he's become a frequent guest and sometimes we'll spend a whole week. uh, And he is just a remarkable person to listen to. He has all the stories and uh, it'll be interesting to see him kind of playing in this role because he actually has had a, a, a show, a traveling show, uh, having to do with Japanese internment because he was in a Japanese yeah. internment camp when he was a child. So it'll be very interesting yeah, to me he, to, to see. Yeah, he, yeah, he grew up in one as as a kid mm-hmm. in California. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, like you said, Doc, he has his own um, 
play that he wrote about growing up in the internment camps in California. That's called the Legion at the time. It's called the Legion. Yeah. It was on Broadway. Yeah. It's called the Legion. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of George Takei. You know, from you know the Howard Stern show, like the Doc was saying, to another radio show I used to listen to back in the day called Kid Chris, where he was on there a lot doing the Sulu dance, which is the take on the safety dance, which is fucking hilarious. If you ever guys get a chance, check that out. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to season two because it's an original idea. It's not based on Dan Simmons. It's not like he wrote another book. It's completely new material. Yeah, so no, it's a completely new, a completely new creation, completely new creation. Uh, as far mm-hmm. as I know, no involvement whatsoever from Dan. Right, so that's going to be awesome. All right, so yeah, what else do we have? Awesome. Uh, you know, moving right along. Uh, you know, everybody knows. Well, no, nobody knows except us fucking nerds. But uh, back in the '90s, when the original Leprechaun movie came out, uh, Jennifer Aniston was in that movie pre-Friends. Right. Um, so Leprechaun Returns uh, is coming out, which is, you know, as is the popular thing these days, a direct sequel to the original Leprechaun movie. And uh, oh, is it? unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, it is. Unfortunately, uh, they were not able to get Jennifer Aniston to return. Uh, but oh. what I think, what I think <laughs> is pretty funny is that to make this proper sequel, uh, they hired and used a Jennifer Aniston impersonator, a professional Jennifer Aniston impersonator. So, oh, uh, is it Heather McDonald? <laughs> let, let me let me let me pull it up. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, I want to say Heather McDonald because I know she does impressions of Jennifer Aniston. Uh, nope, it is, it is Heather McDonald. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you are correct. You are absolutely correct. Wow, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, because she does great uh, Jennifer Aniston impressions because she's a comedian, does a lot of stand-up, does a lot of impersonation. So. But that's a great way to tie it in, though. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get Aniston for a direct-to-DVD movie like Leprechaun Returns, so why not have a voiceover actor? Yeah, 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 but what else is she doing, man? All she's doing is fucking uh, shampoo commercials now, man. It's not like she's actually doing okay, any me, actual acting. Let me actually, as I'm reading now, and I, I should have read this whole article before I went ahead uh, with, with the news here, but... Uh, that character, the main character of that movie is going to be the daughter of Jennifer Aniston's character from the original movie, and there's going to be a sequence in the movie where she hears her mom's voice, and they're using uh, Heather McDonald's voice of Jennifer Aniston. She's not actually appearing in the film. Okay. Well, I mean, but, I mean, you're right, kind of monkey, I guess, in a way, but at the same time, I would think that even if they offered it to her, She'd probably turn it down. I think that her price tag well, probably like way would, too much. She would definitely turn it down. I couldn't agree with you more, King. I think she would definitely turn that down. Uh, I am not one that is a watcher of Friends. I think it's like the worst fucking show that's ever been made. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but while, while she never really had the, the big screen success, uh, there have been, you know, aside from the stupid romantic comedies, she, she's been in and she starred in, uh, she's played some very interesting roles. She's uh, she's not always because she's done stupid, you know, uh, romantic comedies where you know she has to chase Matthew McConaughey somewhere. I, I don't know, but um, she has made some interesting choices and has played some interesting roles. Uh, I, I don't think there's Christmas any way party. that she would uh, <laughs> return to this. Uh, what is that Christmas office party? I don't know what that is. Oh, dude, it's actually a really fun comedy that she's in. She has a, she has a smallest part, but it's just about Jason Bateman, who's in charge of this um, software company, and they throw a kick-ass Christmas, 
uh, Christmas office party. All right, interesting. It, yeah. It's it's uh, fun, man. It's just it's it's just good, silly comedy. It's if you like eighties comedies, you'll like this. All right, man. Like horrible bosses. She was good in that one. I like horrible bosses one and two. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that, that one. I thought she was decent. You know, I'm gonna like her in that one. Um, there was another one she did back in the nineties. Actually, liked with uh, her and Paul Rudd. I can't remember the fucking name of it, but Paul Rudd was playing a gay guy, and he wanted to, I guess, get with Jennifer Aniston because she was pregnant, and he kind of wanted to be like a surrogate dad. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was a really kind of decent movie for the 90s for Jennifer Aniston when she was still doing that character, Rachel on Friends, and they wanted to give her a starring vehicle. So that All, I remember more of a Bruce name. Al- All I remember is Bruce Almighty. <laughs> Oh, that's right. She was in that movie. Okay. But, but but things like that, like you say, oh, Bruce Almighty, like that's that's what I'm talking about as like like the silly stuff, like the not serious right. stuff. Um, you know, that was a granted that was a humongous blockbuster Hollywood comedy yeah. starring Jim Carrey. Uh, you know, and, and you know, she was his love interest and everything, but like as far as an actress, um in the nineties she was in one of the, the whole series of Edward Burns movies where he used most of the same characters, but she was same performers, but uh, you know, she had a role, an interesting role in, in a movie called She's the One. And oh, yeah. um yeah. also I think maybe her when I talk about serious roles and, and different than her usual, uh she was in a movie from two thousand two written by Mike White called The Good Girl. Uh okay. with um with Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Yeah. 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 Um that that movie is like really, really good and really, really interesting and really unpredictable and tremendously written. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance to see it, uh, and she plays like a kind of frumpy lady that works at like the makeup counter in like a discount store, mm-hmm. uh, totally against type, um, and with a, a truly remarkable performance in my opinion. So, uh, you know. That's you know 15 years ago. Uh, you know I have no idea what she's up to these days, but I can't see her can't do anything to do with anything to do with yeah. off the table. And according to the monkey shampoo commercial. Yeah, she does like Pantene commercials now. It's money, it's a paycheck, you know, but just not leprechaun money because <laughs> they'd offer her a hundred dollars <laughs> in a, a, a hat. Yeah. No. Use a, use yeah. a t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, the T-shirt. I did voice work for Leprechaun Returns, and all I got was this T-shirt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else do you have for us, Doc? Uh, a couple other, you know, minor lyrics here. Um, we've talked about the Guillermo del Toro uh, producing the film adaption of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, that's officially been given a release date that will be coming this summer, August 9th, 2019. So for those of you out there that are really looking forward to that, we have a release date for that. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. As I've said before, I use that stuff in, in my work all the time. And uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing what a film adaptation can look like. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be 2019. We can expect that. Yeah, 2019. So we're, we're like, you know, eight months away. Uh, right. So sure we can all wait patiently. Um, yeah, I'm anticipating that. So, I think that's one of the movies in 2019, aside from Are You Afraid of the Dark? I think that's my other one in 2019 that I'm really fucking looking forward to. to seeing yeah, it on the big yeah there's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff on the horizon. Uh, you know, we have talked about uh, the impact of some of the creepypasta stories on the show before. And yeah. I read today that the 
the Russian sleep experiment, which is one of my personal favorites uh, and one that when I really want to freak out a student, I give them to read, uh, is getting its own movie that will be coming sometime in late 2019. Um, mm-hmm. International cast, uh, international director, but they're going to make the Russian sleep experiment into a movie. Um, that's going to be intense. That, that is an intense uh, story. If, if, yeah. yeah, it's a very intense story. Uh, like I said, when I need to like really freak out a student, I'll be like, hey, read this one. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know about. I don't know about you guys and what other podcasting uh, you guys might listen to. Uh, I have never listened to it, but apparently, there's a very popular, uh, some type of fictional mystery type podcast called The Black Tapes. Does that sound oh, yep. familiar to you? I listened to that. All three. Okay, seasons. so that that is going to become an NBC television series. Um, I was really about that today. I don't know when it's targeted to appear, but yeah, they're turning the black tapes into an NBC series. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, NBC, for that. we're always open to becoming a series, by the way. NBC, if you're listening. Well, um, I'm excited <laughs> for that. I'm excited for black tapes. I know that uh, Limetown, uh, another podcast I listen to, um, fictional podcast, is going to become a series with uh, Jessica Biel, and I think it's going to be on the Hulu network. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one get developed into uh, a series. So. Seems like that's the way right. to go, though, with a lot of these fictional podcasts. Is just adapt them into the series because it works. There's enough material there. Um, Doc, you were talking about the the creepy pastas. Ryan Reynolds. <clears throat> Ryan Reynolds is actually developing one for the movies, uh, based on the creepy pasta, the patient that drove me out of medicine, which is another great creepy pasta. So he's even getting involved in creepy pastas now. Yeah, you know, did I and it, it it might have just escaped my my radar, but did the did the Slenderman movie ever end up actually coming out, or is that still keep getting pushed back? No, it got it got released, but it was in the theaters for a very short time. It wasn't successful. It wasn't a hit. Did it, did it, did, it, did it make profit? You know, because I feel like they probably made that shit on the cheap. Did it make any money? Yeah, it was cheaply made, and it didn't make much of a profit. Like it, it barely kind of broke even with budget, so it was not a hit. Interesting to me, it's interesting to me then to hear that uh, like other creepypasta properties uh, possibly being optioned because it seems like when that shit tanks, uh, then they, they all like run away from it. But if it was a successful, you'd see them turning all of those things into, into movies. Well, I mean, you know, like you said with the, the Russian sleep experiment and with Ryan Reynolds developing the one, at least with Ryan Reynolds, you have a name behind it. So you could just kind that of rise very true. Yeah, the names that I saw when I was reading about the Russian sleep experiment, I didn't see uh, any any names attached because there were some names attached. I didn't see anything, uh, any names there uh, that uh, that you know, oh, stood oh, out. Actually, except <laughs> except the only name here that I that I do uh, recognize attached to this thing is, and this immediately makes me roll my eyes. But that dude, uh, Chris Kattan from Saturday Night Live. Um, <laughs> Really? Uh, yeah, he's one of the four. One of the four test patients. <laughs> Where has he been? Okay. Where did they find him? <laughs> he was awesome in Monkey Bone. <laughs> begging, begging for work. At the Roxbury. I mean, yeah, he's he's available, so I guess they found him. He's going to be in that. So yeah, I have no idea where he went. So it's good to see that they found him uh, and they give him work. Good to know he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not dead. You know, I'm available. Put me in your movie. So that's great. You know, at least Chris Kattan has something to do. Um, all right. So uh, what else do you have for us, Doc? 
Yeah, I got I got two more quick things. Uh, I know you guys lately have been crying, crying uh, tears of sadness with all of your uh, Netflix shows being canceled or not renewed. Um, I know, I know there's been several and you guys are all like, why do they take our shows away? But, uh, another one that I have never watched, um, apparently it's pretty popular. The killing adventures of Sabrina, um, yeah. announced today that the, the second season is uh, about to debut on Netflix at any time, but they announced that there will also be a third and fourth season already. Uh, that those are going to happen, you know, proclaiming them to be sexier and scarier than ever before. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> while the stuff that you guys like gets canceled, it's continuing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to Sabrina. I know that uh, season two, they're talking about possibly January uh, at some point next year, releasing yeah, season two. So it is coming. Um, that Christmas special, though, is terrible. So... <laughs> You know, if anybody's looking forward to seeing the Sabrina Christmas special, you could just avoid it. It was pretty bad. You know, just watch season one. You know, ten episodes, fantastic. Great blend of mysticism, magic, Satanism. Um, definitely not the most of Joan Hart Sabrina. So I yeah, will warn yeah. people of that. But it is I good. You're all, <laughs> all guys' sadnesses. It's totally a bummer when Netflix, uh, you know, takes away your, takes away your shows. It has Our Marvel me. shows. They're um, important. They matter. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, when you're invested in a, when you're invested in a show that like comes to the end of its season unresolved, and you're like, all right, next year we'll have the next one, and they're like, yeah, we're not making anymore. It's a fucking bummer, man. Uh, I know, they, but they're teasing us with Disney though, with that streaming service. Just today, I read an article about how Disney is kind of teasing us that we might bring them back. You know, maybe they're not going to be bringing Daredevil back. and, and like, yeah, stop it. Don't dangle so that property. They're not going to. They're not going to be bringing back the show that I was into. So, uh, you know, Marvel and the the, the the Daredevil and Disney and all of them. I don't fucking care. I know you guys do, but I don't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> what else do you care about? What else do you have for us? All right. So the final thing I have. Uh, several weeks ago, I believe it was the. Maybe it was the King's pick. Maybe it was the Ghoul's pick. Who whose pick was the Conjuring? That was the ghoul. All right, so the ghoul had picked The Conjuring several weeks ago uh, that we covered on the show. And, you know, I know that this is a billion-dollar franchise with uh, branches shooting off in every direction. Uh, yeah. James Wan today or yesterday set uh, forth what the plot details are for the third Conjuring movie, um, like Conjuring 3. Uh, right. You know, not to be confused with the Annabelles and the other ones that are related to it. Um, right. But this is going to be going back to the Warren story. Uh, it's going to be allegedly based on a true story. Um, a man uh, named Bill Ramsey, who is referred to as the South End Werewolf. Um, and really? that's what the, yeah, that's the, the story that they're going to explore. This kid who, uh, you know, apparently was, you know, the only person ever to be put on trial for murder uh, who claimed that he was possessed. Uh, the first person maybe that claimed that he was possessed. Uh, when he was put on trial for murder, um, apparently witnesses had seen him like with super werewolf strength and growling and whatever. Uh, one of those weird, mysterious stories. Uh, you know, any reading that I tried to do about it today was in all kinds of like crazy cockamamie uh, paranormal websites. I saw like no actual like legitimate news about anything in, about this. But um, yeah, so that's what the Conjuring Three is going to be about: the the Bill Ramsey South End werewolf. 
uh, allegedly based on a true story. So that so is that, that the is that is, is that the one you were thinking is, about? Well, that's what I was going to ask the doc. So that is confirmed. That's going to be about Ramsey. Like you found out that news. Yeah, no, that's from James Wan today or yesterday. Okay, okay, so it was today because I read an article the other day that I actually put on the Facebook page about how he had said he doesn't want to release the case, but he's going to say that it takes place in the court system about a defendant who's using the demonic possession angle as a defense. But when I think about that, I'm like, okay, the Warrens were involved. There was also a case in 1981 in Connecticut with Arnie Johnson, who claimed that the devil made him kill a bunch of people, and kids specifically. And the Warrens wrote a book about it called The Devil in Connecticut. So I was like, well, I mean, it could be that because he did say the devil made him do it. He was possessed. But now that you're saying that it's the Ramsey case, now I'm interested. Now, you know, because I legitimately thought it was going to be about Arnie Johnson. But I guess they're doing the Ramsey one, the werewolf. Uh, Juan says the film will, end quote, uh, revolve around a guy who was on trial yeah. for committing a murder. Uh, the defendant used possessions as a reason, as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um and where let me this is a different article I'm trying to find where I saw about the Ramsey case because uh, I definitely read that today. Well, I believe um, you. I just wanted to make sure that it was legit because I was yeah interested now. And he's all quiet. Okay. No, so, well, yeah. he has to no, 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 no. Like I said, no dead air. So, so it keeps going. Yeah. So okay. So it wasn't the uh, acid one that you were thinking of, King. Well, no, that was a whole separate one. We'll get to that in another show. No, I was thinking about Arnie okay. Johnson from 1981, who literally in Connecticut said that the devil made him kill people. And the Warrens wrote a book about it called The Devil in Connecticut. But, right. you know, so, the doc is right. There was the werewolf. Uh, yeah, the Ramsey so case that they were also involved I guess uh, when – so Juan just announced that he's not going to be directing the third one? Yeah, it's Michael um, Chavez. Yeah, but the actress Vera, Vera uh, Farmiga, 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 however you pronounce her name, uh, mm-hmm. she said, this is her quote, she had read the script, her quote, has something to do with some werewolf case. I was given a book by Lorraine and Tony, her son-in-law, who is okay. moving to the Ed Warren position in that family, and there's a book called Werewolf, but I've not read it yet, so I'm sure the answers are in that. Okay, um, so it is confirmed then. All right. That's what so, she said, and then... Um, the reporter who had this news says that it sounds like it will be taking on the South End Werewolf. And then what I read today, the quotes from Juan uh, directly that I read today, uh, he doesn't say that directly. Uh, but that's, I guess, that's the indication. And if Vera Farmiga is saying that it's from Book the Werewolf, then I guess that's what it will be. But I, I just want to just retract and say that that. That that is not attributed to to James Wan himself. Right. I mean that's I mean but that is a, a direct quote from Vera Farmiga. So yeah, talking about the werewolf yes. book. So um, I was definitely when credited to it being the Ramsey case. I mean I was kind of hoping it was going to be Arnie Johnson because that whole fucking story is amazing. So if you guys ever want to read about Arnie Johnson and the case and the Warrens' involvement, definitely dive deep into Google because it is an interesting case. But the Ramsey one is interesting too. So. Either way, I'm looking forward to Conjuring 3. Because it, it yeah, I'm looking, movies, but they're fun. Yeah, I'm looking right here. There's a, there's a book uh, available on Amazon. It's called Werewolf, A True Story of Demonic Possession, written by uh, Ed and Lorraine War- Warren. And there it is right there. Uh, so, All right. So there, 
Great. I mean, either way, I'm looking forward to it because, I mean, the Conjuring movies, they take a lot of liberties with truths, but at the same time, they're fun. I mean, they're, they're Paschal movies. I love part two, even though a lot of it was made up. It's still, they're, they're fun movies. Yeah, they're a good Wait, so an hour and a half. As I'm doing a little digging here, so, so Juan's quote, I just want to make sure that I have all of this clear. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says, I think it's the first time in America's history where the defendant used possession as a reason, as an excuse. But the werewolf, the Bill Ramsey case, uh, this took place um, in the UK, in an English town south right. end on the sea. So if Juan is saying the first time an American case, then this is not an American case, the werewolf case. It's not. So, it's a UK case. But Vera so, says the werewolf. So interesting. So there's some... Yeah. A little bit of confusion about exactly what's going on. Well, I mean, and I don't we see have any to reason for anything. Sure, I, I don't. I don't see any. Re- I, it might just be some miscommunication. I don't see any reason for uh, you know. Oh, we're trying to trick the audience. I really don't think that matters. But um, no, I mean, you know, Vera Farmiga saying the werewolf book, and you have James Wan saying the American case. So I mean, it's it's you know, two different sources. So take it for what it is, folks. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to wait until we get that first trailer to kind of see, you know, what the case is going to be. I mean, either way, I think it's going to be a fun movie. Um, I haven't seen The Nun yet. I know it's a high recommend from a lot of people. So it's going to be one of those movies I check out eventually when I have time. Um, but, yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing what they do with part three. Um, you know, because they're always just good ways, like I said, to pass the time. Um, but what I wanted to talk about, uh, going from werewolves in the U.K. or people in Connecticut saying they were possessed by the devil to a uh, Christmas monster known as Krampus. Uh, Because there's a movie about him that we're going to talk about from 2015, directed by Michael Dougherty. Uh, Mad Monkey, this is your pick. Uh, Why don't you take it away, synopsis, while you picked it, and we're going to get into this thing. All right. Uh, Krampus is the story of a young boy named Max, a young boy who so believes in the spirit of Christmas, that he will literally fight tooth and nail to defend the honor of this time of giving, togetherness, and tradition. A tradition that is equally revered by his grandmother, Omi. That is until his extended family shows up for the holidays and tests his fa-la-la fortitude. In frustration, Max denounces the holiday and all that it stands for, thus unleashing onto his home, his family, and the uber John Hughes neighborhood, his age-old spirit, the shadow of St. Nicholas, Krampus. And Krampus for me Krampus for me is a movie that while it's fun, it is also very flawed. And it pains me because this movie was written and directed by Michael Doherty, the same writer and director of one of my favorite horror movies of all time, Trick or Treat. And I know this movie really could have been something quite spectacular if it had been given an R rating. But instead, we get a weird-ass, kind of spooky version of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Good analogy. Good, good analogy. Okay, uh, Doc, what did you think about Krampus? Krampus. Uh, one, as we're getting into this discussion, let me just announce now, it's, it's, it is possible that I'm going to duck out like 10-ish minutes early, so I just want to uh, get that sure. on the table before we get started here. But uh, I do... <laughs> so, uh, if I think back to... To this time last year, uh, I believe mm. it was the monkey who put forth an episode uh, for us or a movie for us to watch for an episode titled A Christmas Horror Story. 
Correct. Uh, yes, correct? I did. Well, that was your pick, right? That was your pick. Yes, it and, was. Um, I remember seeing the pick and, and looking at it before watching it and thinking, fuck, what the fuck is this shit that I have to watch? And <laughs> being one of the cases on, on this show where where my initial thoughts based just on looking at the cover art and reading a brief plot synopsis were, 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 I was totally wrong. And I thought that was totally enjoyable. And uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. And the, the, the twist later on was enjoyable. And when that movie was over, I was like, Oh wow. What a fun, like holiday, silly, like weird holiday horror movie. Uh, and was, this is and was not very, that movie. Pleased. What's that? <laughs> and this is What's definitely that? not that movie. I said this is definitely um, not that movie. <laughs> I just I just felt so pleased, and so I was like, all right, here comes the monkey again with with a timely pick. This this choice of Krampus um, from 2015, and uh, I have never seen this before, but I have also in my looking have seen that there's like I don't like a half a dozen Krampus movies. Um, oh yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. There's like a there's like a, there's like a whole assortment of Krampus movies uh, after this one. There's like new five, four, five, six of them. I don't even know. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> this movie was fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> I I can't even I I can't even yeah. express it. Like how yeah. how awful I thought this was, and even yeah. the cast of faces that that I enjoy, uh, you know, there were some familiar faces to me that were that I've enjoyed in other work, and I'm like, oh, all right, there's a decent cast here, um, and it threw me for a loop, and uh, I I do want to say that if they could have kept with the same kind of vibe, maybe there would have been something to work with here, because I thought that the the whole opening sequence, the opening montage, the mm-hmm. uh, the introduction to the characters up until uh, pretty much up until uh, the fight at the Christmas dinner table, I thought was pretty well executed, especially the opening montage. I thought that was absolutely, I thought it absolutely brilliantly captured the side of this this time of the year that is misery. Um, yeah. yeah. I thought they did a wonderful job, and I was watching it like, wow, like this, this is like a cool opening montage. Like this is so perfectly capturing like the horror of shopping and the terrible behaviors of humans trying to rush into a store to get a deal on a fucking DVD player, um, and the misery of like waiting online and just the, the angry faces that are fed up and the fucking kids crying and and, and fighting at Santa Claus and uh, school plays going to to hell. Uh, I thought that stuff was all captured great, and then uh, this kid throws away this letter, and, and it takes a it takes a, a a a bad turn to to terrible land for me. Yep. Yeah. King, what did you really think does. of the movie? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I know Monkey, you have your thoughts. Yeah, Doc, you have your thoughts. I, I probably much pretty much in agreement. It's not a good movie. <laughs> it's you know the cast aside because I do like the cast. I mean, I'm a fan of Adam Scott. Um, I'm a fan of Tony Collette. I love David Koechner. He's probably one of my favorite comedic actors right now, working. Um, I watch anything that he's in, um, from the Goldbergs to Anchorman series, the Waiting. I mean, the list goes on and on with David Koechner. So I mean, that, that aside, um, it's just, it's it's not mm-hmm. a very good movie because it's you kind of want a little bit more, like Monkey you had said. If this you want a lot R, more, maybe it would have been better. Um, but to, to what the doc had said too, I love the opening sequence 
one, not just because it shows you the misery of the holiday season, but also because it felt very much Doherty. Like, it felt like this is Doherty's chance to shine, and he's going to show you how fucking bad the holidays really are because it is just fighting over things in the store. You have the poor retail workers that are just fucking having headaches, wearing stupid Santa hats, while people fucking shove money around that they don't have to buy gifts that people don't need. Um, To me, perfect way to start this movie. It's just, Mm -hmm. I wish the rest of the movie had just been just as good. (laughs) Yeah. You got an hour and a half, you know, and you have a great kind of powerful opening sequence, like the doc had said, with the recital and Max fighting the one kid. Um, That's the one thing that I don't want to give this movie too much credit because I feel like if you give this movie too much credit, you might get a Krampus too. And I don't want a Krampus too. <laughs> I just, I'm good with just this one. Um, but I, what, that's what I wanted to raise to you guys, which is what I liked, is that this movie's kind of central theme is belief over the plastic quality of Christmas. Uh, really what it's about is spending money that you don't have by gifts that people don't need. But you also have the belief of Christmas and the spirit of Christmas with Max. And how he really does believe in Santa and how he does believe in the spirit of Christmas. And, you know, he, it's not like he's a 13-year-old kid. He goes, I believe in Santa. No, he's the appropriate age where I feel like you still yeah. believe in Santa. Like you still want to have that glimmer of hope that there is a fucking guy that comes down your chimney and gives you gifts. And that's why I kind of like the character a little bit. But I also felt like it went way too much in like Home Alone territory too, where they, they have that kind of fight with the letter. Um, at the dinner table. But what did you guys think yeah. about that? The, the kind of argument between the reality of what Christmas is versus belief. Because I thought, well, in a way, it was presented pretty well. You know, that it's it's kind of at that table with that argument. And I get the, you know, kids and belief in Christmas and who doesn't believe in families. Uh, that can be a touchy situation when you have older kids that are assholes and know that the... Yeah kids in the family still believe and they want to tease and torture and you know that that's all realistic but what i found to be a little bit kind of unrealistic in in that sequence is when they when they when they were making fun of when they were making fun of max uh you know even before they whipped out the letter that that the adults let that go on for so long they were having that discussion And they were saying horrible things to him before they even got the letter. Then they whipped the letter out and start reading that. And like, it's like those three characters are like the only characters there. You know, I can't yeah. imagine that a family that would just sit back and, and just allow this to happen and listen to this. Cause it wasn't like, Oh, we're whispering so quietly. So the families, they were like having a conversation across the table. Yeah. Um, and yeah. That, that's something that struck me. I was like, the parents, no one's stepping in to, to fucking tell these assholes to knock it off. Uh, this is this is this is what's happening right now. So mm-hmm. I get I get the family behavior, and as uh, you know, my family and and my wife's families are both you know fucked up and dysfunctional in their own ways. And getting together around the holidays, either on my side or on her side, like always creates like a whole assortment of challenges because of the personalities. Like I get all of that, and that part of it is very realistic. Uh, and I thought that the different interactions between the family members and uh, their you know their their you know, appreciation and disdain and hatred for each other was all, was very palpable and, and very real. Um, you know, if not played for, I don't, I don't think it was as far as caricature, but like a little bit, you know, a little bit bigger than reality, but I think it was based in the reality of families, family interactions and feelings and stress around Christmas. But 
I really just, yeah. I couldn't believe that that the situation with those kids was allowed to go on as long as it did at the table. Yeah, and monkey, mm-hmm. yeah, we did talk about that last night about how they are at that dinner table, and it's already kind of a, a hostile kind of thing because you have Tony Collette's character Sarah making this beautiful fucking meal for everybody, taking the time to make it, and you have Howard played by David Koechner who's like, oh fucking everything's a little bit dry. You know, wish we could just have more macaroni and fucking hot dogs, which I fucking like. So I'm kind of with him. I like macaroni, cheese, and hot dogs. But what parents would allow this to happen? Because I told you, Monkey, last night, if this happened at my dinner table when I was a kid, my parents would be like, all right, put the fucking letter away. Stop acting like assholes. Like, leave them alone. Like, you know, but no, these parents did nothing. They let it kind of go on. And I felt like it was kind mm-hmm. of stupid, like, in a way. Like, because it's not realistic. No. And again, it's like... Any real parents would be like, you know, look, you all, it's Christmas time, straighten up your shit, stop acting like a bunch of assholes, you know, and cut it out. You know, or, or nothing's going to happen. You know, no one's getting any fucking presents. You keep acting like this, you know. And yeah. But on top of that, it's like we had the uh, exaggeration from, the, you know, the Howie Sr., you know, Howard, you know, going around just being a total douche, you know, all Cousin Eddie-like, you know, for, from Christmas Vacation, just... Again, you know, his kids are fucking badass, da-da-da, encouraging their bad behavior on top of that, though. And it's like, again, it's still, though, I understand, you know, yes, it's the holidays. We've got to deal with the dicks and assholes and stuff like that. But still, though, it's like I I have never, ever, ever met, like, an, an asshole family member so bad where they were encouraging their kids' bad behavior at a family function. Right. It's a parody, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, because there will be something done, I think, at any dinner table where that goes on, you know, and it's, you know, more about just kind of surviving the holidays in a way, you know, where you have two different kind of factions of parents um, and kids and how they develop around other kids, Um, you know, and that was the other thing, too, when they read the letter and he said at the end of the letter, you know, I kind of hope that everything works out for my Uncle Howard and my Aunt Linda because I know they're having a hard time right now. How hard of a time are they having when he has a fucking Humvee with fucking special shit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like how, how fucking hard up are you when you got a kick-ass Humvee, you got a fucking rolling gun rack in the back, you know, a padded fucking gun rack and shit like that, you know. But you know, for some reason, times are fucking hard. No, I think you're doing yeah. just fine. You know, especially those yeah. of us that live in little one-bedroom apartments <laughs> that happen to be broadcasting <laughs> the show to you. You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're fine. Yes, um, you and your hum- <laughs> I know, really. You know, because I guarantee you he has a Trump sticker on the back of that Humvee that this took place you know, during this time. <laughs> he definitely has a Trump pen well, sticker on the back of that Well, they do, they do make a comment about how, you know, um, Tom and Sarah must be Democrats because they keep getting free shit because that's, <laughs> that's what happens with rich people, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Because to me, and that's what I wanted to get from you guys, because I felt like it took that angle of Home Alone in a way, where you have Max being fed up with shit, and he's like, I fucking hate you all, and fuck everybody, and fuck Christmas too, and kind of running away, and it's like, all right, so in a way, you're kind of getting your wish, because you've ripped up your Santa letter, and now you have this crazy fucking weird storm coming in that's going to bring about Krampus and his weird fucking army of of, uh, dolls and, and everything like that. So did you guys yeah, but, but, do? Because I felt like it was well, never going that way. 
Well, I took it as more of like a fucked up version of Mary Poppins, if you will, because he rips up the okay. letter and instead of going into the fireplace, he just throws it out the window and then the pieces of the letter get letter gets souped up into the sky and instead of Mary Poppins coming down, we got badass Papa Krampus on his way. <laughs> right. And what did you think about that, Doc? I'm sorry, please repeat the question. The uh you know, like the, the kind of the home alone esque way that they presented how Krampus is going to come with Max being fed up with his entire fucking family, like Kevin McAllister and Home Alone, where he's like, fuck everybody. I, I hate you all. And then he wakes up the next day and they're all gone. He's like, oh, man, my wish came true. Yeah, like, you know, I'm home alone, you know. But I felt like that's the way that they were going with this whole thing, where it's like you wished it to happen and now it's going to happen, except now instead of being home alone, you have Krampus coming. Right, so, you know, uh Maybe maybe there's a, a a tribute is not the, necessarily the right word, uh, but you have you do you know with that and then you know once everyone is kind of back in the house you do have like a, like a whole assortment of you know hijinks that take place with with stuff, um, mm-hmm. gingerbread man sneaking down the fucking chimney and and whatnot like that <laughs> like Home Alone esque and whatnot yeah but um. You know the flaming things going across the room, and you know uh, kind of stuff that that you saw in in Home Alone, I guess. Um, I don't think yeah. that I really thought about that when I was watching it. I don't think now that you're saying it, like I'm trying to have these thoughts, but I feel like uh, you know when I was watching it, I wasn't like, oh, this is like Home Alone. Like I see this fucking gingerbread man, and like all I think about is is, is, is Shrek, except this one's like, <laughs> yeah. Wait, um, this, this movie really needed some paint cans, King. It really it needed did. some paint cans. <laughs> yeah, it needed some good paint cans. Um, I did like the, the line, though, uh, the next day when the power's out and they're trying to figure out what happened, you know, when they're going to get the power back because the snow is really hitting and it's a snowstorm. I like when Howard walks to the fridge and he's like, yeah, the fridge is out too. What am I going to eat? And Sarah's like, yeah, there's leftovers. He's like, well, here it is then. <laughs> yeah. Like, for some reason, that got a laugh out of me. I was like, "Yep, that that's fine. Good, that's his character." But what I've I been did in that like, situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this beer, fine. But what I did like <laughs> is that you have Beth, the sister, going out into the storm because she's so concerned about her boyfriend, so she sneaks out to go to his house to see if he's okay. Uh, no, she got permission. This is where we permission. get our first kind of representation of Krampus. I really did like this scene where you first got Krampus and she sees this creature on the top of the house and it's keeping speed with her jumping from house to house with these chains hanging from its cloak. So right. to, what did you guys think, doc? Uh, I want to get to you first. What did you think about the first introduction of Krampus? You know, when she's running along I the thought, street, it's keeping pace yeah, and it's chasing. I, I thought, I thought that was interesting enough. Again, look, I know that th- this movie Krampus, I know there's going to be, you know, some kind of some evil fucking Christmas monster. I haven't mm-hmm. seen any of this movie before or anything about it, so I didn't know what to expect. But I guess you know that introductory sequence, like get a chance, you know, this Krampus for the first time, I thought was interesting enough. Right. Yeah, and Monkey, you know, because I know that you kind of agree with me that you like the at least the initial introduction of Krampus. Yeah. Uh, the way that right. he takes this- her, then. Yeah, you know, using toys against her, which I thought was great. Well, well, this whole opening scene, all right, 
Because um, despite the fact that we got to deal with the shitty family that you know we had to deal with, we get into this scene and the movie shifts in a wonderful way. All right, and we get the awesome set piece of the neighborhood being completely covered in the snow. I, I fucking love the look of the entire yeah. John Hughes neighborhood. You know, just caked in this blizzard. You know, and um, then we have the DHL driver that's frozen in his truck, and I think, all right, we're we're starting to get some scary shit here. All right, you know, Doherty, go ahead and do your thing, man. T- take me on a ride. You know, and we start to, and we get that first bit of Krampus of him hopping from rooftop to rooftop, like you know, like an evil Santa Claus, if you will. But we we don't get to see anything. We just get a silhouette, and we get some hooves, and we get some chains. We don't get to see Krampus. You know, but we have this great scene of Krampus ch- chasing the sister through, you know, down the street, you know, while hopping right. roof to roof, while howling, you know, at the yeah. sky. Just, you know, I fucking loved this scene, man. It was just so much fun. It was great, and it was like this is what I kind of wanted for the rest of the movie. It's the kind of Krampus shrouded. So you don't really get a good shot of what Krampus looks like. It's just this big fucking creature that howls and screams. You know, it was a great set piece with her running underneath the DHL truck and then him putting down the jack in the box. Um, yeah. And then when the toy pops open, you see the truck shaking. So I'm like, all right, well, that's our first yeah. death. PG-13, yep. no blood. I'm okay with it because I'm like, all right, we have a first casualty. So we're moving on. But, you know, but, it's and, like, but, how no, are they going to go fast? Yeah, and they and they did the kill with a still decent amount of scary. It's like because again, you don't have to have a whole bunch of gore for every kill, you know. And and I they got me with the Jack in the Box thing just because I was expecting the classic snatch and grab from behind. Yeah. Yep. Right. And kind of like they go. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, you just see her up close and then her getting pulled away, you know, like we always see in horror movies. Instead, we go this route of, all right, now we're going to freak you out with a freaky-ass little jack jack in the box. All right, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Because you don't know what to expect, you know, and even she's kind of freaked out by it, doesn't know what to expect. And, yeah, like I said, PG-13 doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a lot of blood. You know, just show me something creative. And I thought it worked. I was like, all right, so, you know, she's gone. You know, we're not going to see Beth anymore. You know, because of the fact that she wanted to see her boyfriend, she's a casualty. Um, right. Which leads to Howard and Tom going out to go find her because she's ran away, essentially, like I had said. She didn't say, I'm leaving. See you guys later. I'm going out. You know, no, she's stuck out so she can find her boyfriend. So they have to go after her. Um, you know, and I, and I like how Howard's just like, yeah, grab a gun. <laughs> which one do you want? Like, you know, that one might be too heavy for you. Take this one. <laughs> you know, Howard's still kind of being a dick, like just not giving up his, his dick attitude towards Tom because he just doesn't respect Tom. And I kind of like that dynamic yep. in a way of the two well, guys. Well, that's, that's because Tom had training. And I'm sorry, I'm going to f- follow Howard with, with this just because, uh, you know, I'm an asshole too. And anyone who claims that Boy Scout was, you know, training, I'm sorry. No, you were in the Boy Scouts, man. Yeah, you know, granted, the Boy Scouts do a lot of great things and teach a lot of life yeah. skills. But, no, you, I'm not going to sit there and, you know, pass it to anyone that says they call it training. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's not. They don't teach you gun training in the Boy Scouts. I was in Boy Scouts. They don't train you that stuff. 
Um, but I did like the dynamic because, you know, Tom ultimately is the one that saves Howard when they go out. They yeah. start getting attacked when they try to save Beth. So it's Tom the one that becomes the hero in a way, which leads to Howard being kind of humble about it when they go back home, boarding up this house, going, oh, shit, shit's going down. And why are all these snowmen everywhere? <laughs> I love the snowmen, too, because they had the unhappy faces. Like, if you notice that, they had, like, the... Yeah, and uh, it was again. It was another beautiful build. Um, you know, they weren't CGI. It was you know actual props that were built onto this. Yeah. For the set here, and it's just you know they just looked beautiful, and they had, you know, their own feeling to them that I had not seen artistically like in any other movie. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm going to post to the doc because I know you said you might have to bow out a little early, so I kind of want to get to you as much as I can. Um, the, the scene at night when they're all sleeping and you have Howard Jr., the obvious kid who <laughs> fucking shrugs Mountain Dew at the fucking dinner table like it's going out of style. Right. He wakes up because he hears a chain rattling and he goes, what's right. that? And he goes over to this chain with a gingerbread <laughs> man hanging off of it. And he's <laughs> like, hell yeah, cookies. Like, yeah, like, fucking, I mean, I don't know. I'm a fat kid too. I don't know if I woke up and I saw a fucking big-ass fucking Hellraiser-like chain hanging from a fucking, you know, chimney with a gingerbread man attached. I don't know if I'd be wanting to eat it. But I did love the reaction of the gingerbread man when he bites the top of it and he goes, ah! And fucking attacks him. Like, it's so fucking shocked that this fat kid took a bite out of it. So, you know, for a comedic element, it worked, but I wanted to get Doc's opinion on that because, to me, it got a laugh. Like, it definitely had me laughing. Yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, again, just like the, you know, just like the introduction to, to the crevice, you know, I, I had no idea if this was going to be, uh, you know, um, little fucking gingerbread people running around and toys running. I had no idea that this was coming. <laughs> it was a little surprise to me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, when the fat kid, uh, goes for the cookie like I see like his curiosity um but I wasn't thinking oh he's gonna he's gonna bite this and then he takes a bite and I just I, I was like what the fuck is going on here um, <laughs> and then this tiny ass little gingerbread man like wraps this fat kid up in chains and and yanks his ass up the chimney um you know and then the you know, it just continues from there. I just, I, I, I was kind of really a, a squeaky, talky gingerbread man, really. <laughs> and the fact that it whistles <laughs> to the other people outside, like, we got him! <laughs> Bring him mm-hmm. up the chimney. Very much like the monkey had said to me last night, Augustus Gloop in Willy Wonka's factory. You know, <laughs> in that chocolate river, <laughs> getting sucked up into the pipe. Like, that's what it reminded me of, and I was glad that the monkey brought that reference, because I was like, yep, he got it, because <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. This fat kid who just wants to eat all he fucking can, and he's getting dragged up. And even Tony Collette's reaction to seeing this gingerbread man, she's like, oh, fuck? <laughs> like, what is this? Like, you know, what is going on? Like, that, you know, her reaction sold it, because she just doesn't know what to say. She's just, yeah, frozen in fear because of what she just saw. Monkey, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, uh, I, I enjoyed it, and I just repeated everything that you guys said, you know, but after you get taken away, that's when Omi comes up and starts stoking the fire and talks about how you got to keep the fire hot, motherfuckers. you got to keep the shit going. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, like, Doc and, and, and Monkey, I want to get to this, too. What did you think about the animated sequence they had in this movie? I mean, I didn't necessarily mind it, but I did feel like it kind of took you away from the movie in a little bit. Like, all of a sudden, they're going animated to show this story yeah. of Omi when she was a yeah, kid I mean, in the village. Look, that's that's my thought exactly. Like, it kind of takes you out of the takes you out of the proceedings. Uh, I don't felt that it didn't feel like it fit a hundred percent. Um, you know, she was kind of a, kind of a creepy lady. I feel like that could have been effective just having her tell the story and you use your own imagination right. to kind of picture it. Um, because it is a dark story. I mean, it's, it's, it's only telling you the story about how Krampus essentially destroyed her entire village and left her behind as a sole survivor as kind of a reminder to believe, you know, in, in Christmas in a way. So, yeah, I, I agree with the doc where I'm like, you know what? It could have been an aside. It could have just been her telling the story. I don't necessarily think it should have been an animated sequence. Uh, no. Monkey, do you think the same way? Like, are you on the same wavelength? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way because I love animation. But at the same time, it's like while the animation was good – and solid CGI to look like stop motion. Still, though, it com- took completely away because the style was nothing like what was going on in the movie. And right. then to go to this super artistic, you know, almost Tim Burton-ish art yeah. style with its own thing, and then it completely removes you from the story. But it's too, re- you know, it's at the same time telling you what Krampus does, and it's Again, this could have been just done so much better, man. It's like, you know, this is another one of those things where I feel like the movie definitely failed because it completely removed you from the movie. Again, we could have had Omi telling you by the fireside or something, you know, or like her having like, you know, some kind of like picture book or something, but anything than what what happened here, man. It's just, this is, this was just a total fail. And... It's just to explain what Krampus does, you know, that Krampus leaves behind somebody and takes everyone else in its wake. Mm. And this becomes a problem later. <laughs> it does. And, and, and we'll, we'll get there in just a little while yeah. <laughs> because it does lead to problems. But it's one of those things, too, where it's like, okay, Omi dealt with this her entire life and never once mentioned it until this night. She's a survivor, yeah, especially because uh, you know her family didn't turn shitty on Christmas overnight either. No, yeah, no. Like this is obviously not the first Christmas where they've been shitty. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's to be expected. So now all of a sudden it's like, oh, Krampus is coming now. So I better tell you this story about when I was a little girl in a village. It's like, well, you would think this is not something that Omi's going to want to sit on. Like you know, this is something that she would want to tell her kids. About why well, she'd be afraid. Well, not just afraid, but this is also why she, she was, you know, in the beginning of the movie. She's the one who nursed Max and taught him to believe in the spirit of Christmas and to, you know, bake traditional cookies at Christmas, you know, and, you know, take the time to write to Santa every year, you know, and that, you know, 
Christmas is time for family. You know, that's what we do. You know, all of this came from Omi, of those Christmas traditions. And It's just weird you know, to me. She was it never it. came up. <laughs> you know, she's got a pretty fucking hefty story, and it just comes up now. Like, you know, you would think that yeah. this would be something she'd be telling everybody every fucking year. Like, please yeah. don't be shitty people, because Krampus is going to come. Don't do it. Be nice to each other. Please. I'm begging you. I don't want to go through this again. But it's like all of a sudden now she's like, well, I got a story to tell y'all. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And, here, and here's the bell so you know, guys know I'm not fucking with you. Oh, and the fancy fucking bobble. Which I love that Krampus fucking put his name on it. Like, oh, it's Dirk Krampus. That's his bobble. <laughs> so you know it's just him. Um, oh, you know, nice. and that's, that's the thing about Krampus too is that I felt like Michael Doherty kind of dropped the ball with the Krampus lore. Because in Austria, Krampus works with St. Nicholas. And I don't know if you guys know this, and this is what I'm going to get into, is that Krampus works with St. Nicholas in Austria. St. Nicholas is the one that gives all the good kids presents. Krampus is the one that fucking deals out the punishment. Like, that's the way it is. It's not like, I fucking hate Santa. I'm the evil. I'm going to fucking take all the bad kids. No. St. Nicholas is the one that goes, Krampus, you're evil. Take care of these kids. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But, oh, yeah, just like in the movie Rare Exports, you know, where you have Santa Claus and then you have Black yeah. Jack. Same, same mm-hmm. thing. You know, it, it's, you know, of the hooved creature that goes around, collects children, and puts them in a sack and takes them back down with them because that's what he does with the naughty children. You know? Yeah. But in this movie, but I felt like taking... they were trying to say that he's anti-Santa. And I just no. didn't like it. I don't know, you know. No, I agree with you where, yeah, this is, again, where I feel like the movie failed is because, you know, I felt like Dory should have done his research on many things about Krampus, but especially, you know, come on, man, at least, you know, get the storyline right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is what I want to point to the doc, too. Um, the one thing I did, like I said, I don't want to compliment this movie too much, but what I do like is the fact that you're not getting Krampus right away, you know, attacking his family. He's sending his troops in. Like, he's the general, and he's sending out his soldiers. So, like, the, uh, the gingerbread men, the, uh, the toys in the attic, like, you're not getting Krampus right away. Like, you have to work your way up to that. Like, the big boss battle. Like, in the video Yeah, game. but even still, those things were all so fucking silly, man. Like, the fucking yeah. gingerbread fucking people running all over the fucking kitchen, and... They're running around, they're on fire, they're getting eaten by the fucking dogs, they're getting shot with a fucking huge shotgun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, the, what on earth is going on here? The only one I did like, and I wanted to get your guys' perspective on it, is Dirt Clown, which is the jack-in-the-box. I oh, like that one because it was a fucking gigantic-ass fucking monster. Like, it's not like a little toy. This is like a fucking human-sized fucking jack-in-the-box that can fully swallow somebody alive like it does to Jordan in the attic. It was creepy. Like, I was like, all right, I like this one, because it's fucking horrible. But, you know, it was better than a teddy bear. It was better than a gingerbread man. I thought that was like a set piece, is the class. Well, well, Doc, were, were there any minions that you did like? I'm not saying that I didn't like them, but, like, <laughs> I, I was... 
I wasn't expecting, I think maybe it was, like, I thought some of it was silly and funny. Like, I wasn't expecting, like, any thought that I had or anything I had known about this movie in advance. I think I wasn't expecting, really, any kind of, like, what I felt was a comedic element. So that just yep. all kind of took me by surprise. So it wasn't a matter of not liking them. It just, this whole, this whole, this whole movie just kind of threw me for a loop. I, I feel like um, I just, it was completely different than what I was maybe expecting. And, and that's kind of, I, I have all of these thoughts about it. And what kind of shocked and, me too, is that I found out that Seth Green and Justin Roiland were voice actors for the Gingerbread Men. And I was like, holy well, shit, really? Just, <laughs> you don't get anything from still working. Yeah. I, I mean, like, Justin Roiland and some Rick and fame. Yeah. Like, you don't get, like, you know, they're not talking. They're just fucking, you know, muttering and fucking streaming. Uh, but I did like it when Howard is in the kitchen, and he wants his dog to attack, and the dog just kind of runs away. But it does eat the one gingerbread man that's about to attack him. Yeah, good girl. Good girl. You did your job. <laughs> you know, you got that one before it was about and, to kill me. So, I mean, that was fun to me. And uh, I felt like this could have worked. Again, this could have worked just because, one, I felt like they were kind of tapping into the whole Gremlins vibe with the Jack yeah, Redman yeah. in the kitchen. But mm-hmm. uh, if this had been an R-rated movie and things had been more intense before this, then this is where I think, yeah, it would have worked because, okay, you got to have that release of tension, so let's throw in a little bit of comedy before we go right. back into the scares. Unfortunately, though, like we're dealing with a PG-13 movie, and we're not getting any real intense scares. All of the things that are supposed to be scares are just, like the doc said, are just striking me as bad comedy. Uh, yeah, it, it's like weird kind of uh, in, uh, I, I, uh, intentional comedy, I want to say, I guess in a way, is the best way to describe it uh, with, with all these toys. <clears throat> the one thing I did like, though, is, again, like, is, is you have Aunt Dorothy, you know, with the shotgun, you know, just taking all these toys down. Like, I'm not fucking with this anymore. I'm done. I want all these fucking toys dead. And then you get my favorite creatures of the movie is the elves that work oh, for crap. Just the weird oh, fucking... fucking masks that they wear. And when they burst through the window and they start fucking chaining up Aunt Dorothy and she's like, oh, I'm fucked. Like, you know. I wish they didn't do the fucking slide whistle effect when they fucking take her out. I'm like, all right. Yeah. This is like fucking Twilight Zone fucking comedy, like, you know, with the, the slide whistle. Like, you know, you had a great Hellraiser effect of her being chained up. Uh, yeah. I don't know what you guys thought, but yeah. Could have done without that sound effect. Again, you know, Doc, do you feel like they're doing too, too much of the comedy to, here? Well, well, I, yeah, well, I do want to comment on that and. You know, you asked me if there was any of like the the minions or whatnot that I did like. I feel that, and maybe because it was the PG thirteen, it was like straddling this line. But like, I feel like if they could have taken the gingerbread man and Jack in the Box and all of Krampus Krampus's little characters, and like gone like full bore like evil with mm-hmm. it, then I feel like it could have been more interesting. Um, yeah, I just yeah. thought yep. that the, the silliness and the comedy like yeah. took away from Krampus, who's supposed to be this 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 horrible creature. I feel like if this was played like more for more for darkness, um, yeah, then this could have been more effective. Absolutely, I man. I, I agree with you one hundred percent, man. 
It's it's totally true, and I love the fact that though before the elves show up and they think that they're winning against these fucking toys, you have the Jack in the Box start to clap. Like all of a sudden, he just starts clapping, like it's the call to the elves, so they all burst through the window. And then if you see, there's one shot, and I know the monkey you said you missed this, but the Jack in the Box starts to hug the elves. Like thank God you guys are here. This family sucks. Like we just get out of here. Like is Krampus done yet? Like, I want to get home. I got a wife. I got kids. <laughs> you know, it's such a great random shot of this fucking jack-in-the-box hugging these elves as they burst through the window and start taking away people, um, including Howard, who's like, I'm done with this twisted fairy tale bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but again, it's like, you know, like the doc was saying, man, it's like, you know, even the deaths are having to be bad comedy. It's like, seriously, it's like, you know, why can't you just have this shit be fucking scary? It's like, the movie isn't that fucking scary. Why do you have to sit there and keep dumbing it down? Like, why do you have someone snatch up Uncle Howard and drag him out the fucking window? You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just... And this is where it's like, I just kept getting frustrated with the film is, you know, I was excited about this because it's a Doherty film. You know, dude, trick or treat, this is yeah. nothing like fucking trick or treat. This is dumbed down happy shit. <laughs> and it makes you wonder how much studio involvement was in it to make uh, the film the way it was. Like, is this it was a universal movie? For Krampus? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, no, I said it was a universal movie, so you know it had big money behind it. Yeah, which which trick or treat didn't. You know, trick or treat was yeah. more of an independent kind of movie. So oh, I think Doherty had a lot more to say with it, you know, rather than Krampus, which is universal. So I feel like if, if Doherty had more involvement, maybe the comedy would have been cut down a little bit. Because with Trick or Treat, like you had said, there is comedy in Trick or Treat, but it's played down. Like, it's not yeah. in your face the entire time. Yeah, and that's one thing I would be curious to find out is, you know, how much Doherty was involved and – was he actually pleased with the product that he delivered? Or did he well, have another... I've been to Krampus too, so... <laughs> I don't know if he was that pleased. You said you he know, did uh, Krampus too? No, there is no Krampus too. As far as I know, I don't think there's plans to make a Krampus too. Dude, there's like a no. whole... Art, uh, there's a whole shit ton of Krampus movies. Yeah, but, yeah, but I'm talking about Krampus the sequel to this movie. So all those other Krampus movies are not related to this? Nope. No, they're all they're just about they're just about the um about Krampus, the actual spirit, you know, that's believed in Eastern Europe and stuff like that that actually goes around around Christmas time and picks up to the little kids. Right. So like this, that's an this action. Krampus from this Krampus from 2015 is not related to like Krampus the Reckoning. Uh, nope. Uh, Krampus, The Devil Returns. <laughs> no, uh, no, definitely not. Or oh, Mother Krampus. See, I thought that all of these Krampus movies uh, were, were around this like, one. Were like 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 shitty versions of this yeah. one after. No, 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 yeah. no. This this was yeah. Th- th- those are just other Krampus movies. Uh, uh, yeah, other no, movies yeah. about, about the creature Krampus. Those are all one shots. Okay, I got it. So, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there's, oh, actually, as I'm looking them up now, uh, this Krampus was 2015, and there's, like, 
Krampus, the Christmas Devil from 2013. Yeah. Mother Krampus from like Krampus. I think 2000 something. Yeah. Krampus the yeah. Reckoning 2015. Krampus the Devil Returns 2016. Krampus yeah. uh-huh. Origins 2018. So these are yep. all just movies based on the legend of Krampus. Yeah. Uh, yep. Not. Okay, I got not on this one. Yeah, not on this one. Yeah, no, they're all their own independent movies. I just figured, you know, like most movies of this level, that these were just going to be a whole stream of sequence, a whole stream of sequels that just get shittier and shittier and shittier. Yeah. Well, and it's also like I talked about last night with the monkey. You know, there's all these fucking Krampus movies, but there's not a single movie about Gryla from Iceland, and I wish there fucking was. Because so why you write it? Um, Gryla is from Iceland. The first story got released in 1100, and it wasn't until the 17th century that somebody actually started writing about the lore of Gryla. Gryla is a giant pest who lives in a cave, and at Christmas time she comes down to the villages, takes all the kids, puts them into various stews, and eats them until she's finally satisfied. So she literally rips kids apart in the villages and eats them. And sucks on their bones, and yeah, completely devastates villages of you know kids because she just has to have naughty kids. And I was like, how is there not a fucking movie about this person? Like, you know, this creature from Iceland. But we have like seventeen different Krampus movies. Like, I get it, Krampus is famous in Austria. It's fine, but yeah, we don't have one movie about Gryla, you know, from Iceland. Please, somebody do something about that. Correct this wrong. <laughs> Make a Gryla movie, make it rated R, make it fucking phenomenal. Give us well, something maybe, that's not like Krampus. Maybe the people that made Rare Air Exports will make a Gryla movie. <laughs> well, they did do a movie called Synth back in the day. I think this was like 2007, about an evil Santa Claus. Uh, that was a Swedish uh, film. Yeah, okay. it's called Synth, S-I-N-T. So if you want to see a good, evil Santa Claus movie. Um, but going back into this movie... Uh, Doc, what did you think about the reveal of Krampus when it confronts Omi in the house? When it cracks the fireplace, it comes down to confront her. I was expecting so much when you finally get a good look at Krampus. And instead, it looks like an emaciated Santa Claus with a a beard and weird eyes and a a slack-jawed mouth. I thought they could have done so much more, and they didn't give it to us. Yeah, I mean, I feel that's probably, uh, you know, limitations to what they were working with here uh, financially. But, yeah, I feel like, you know, again, and I had looked at all of the the pictures of these boxes for all of these other uh, Krampus movies. And for, right. it seems Krampus is supposed to be this big, huge, menacing monster. And, um, you know, not really the case here. It, it felt like it was a fail. Like it felt like they had they could do so much better, you know. And you're finally going to get a reveal, of Krampus, and you're going to make it look like Santa Claus that's emaciated with a slack jawed face. Um, you know, Monkey, what did you think about that reveal? Because to me, they really dropped the ball. Like they must have just spent all their budget mm-hmm. on these fucking elves and the toys. Right, well- well, the, the time doing this where we get the hooves coming down, we get the giant claws coming out, we get the horns that, you know, are, you know, mandatory for a Krampus creature of any kind, you know, with the big-ass horns coming out. And then when we finally get the face, it's 
fucking zombie Santa. That that's not yeah. fucking Krampus. You know, Krampus is a goat like <laughs> creature, you know, demonic looking, you know, fierce, evil, you know, not dehydrated Santa that looks really, really tired. You know, it was just a t- it with a big ass venom tongue. You know, it's like it just was a giant it it was a giant fucking fail. I was so pissed when we finally get to see Krampus and th- this is what they delivered. <clears throat> Yeah, because you finally get it, and you're like, all right, what the fuck does it look like? You know, they're going to show it? Like, are they going to shroud it? No, they show it to you, and it's like, eh, like all right. Like, that's fine. Like, you know, it's, it, that's what they're going for is, like, a weird Santa thing. Again, that's why I hated the fact that when Krampus showed up in the face Omi, he stomps on the Santa Claus figure. It's kind of like saying, fuck you, right. Santa. I was like, no, you work with Santa. Like, no. <laughs> That's not what he does. He would mm-hmm. fucking pick that thing up and he would put it back on the tree. Like he would not stomp yeah. on this Santa figure like he's better than Santa because he's not. He works with St. Nicholas. So again, and I was like, all right, so that's what they're going with. Fine. Um, yeah. You know, with all and, these demise it, in the house with the bobble. Um, and and, and yeah. it hurts even more though, just because you know, like the doc brought up about the other movie of um, uh, Christmas Horror Story where they had yeah. two Krampuses in that movie, and they just looked mm-hmm. so much better than what we were given yeah. here. They did. And that movie um, was made on a way smaller budget. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> At best, they had William Shatner. I think that's what they wasted all their money on, yeah. William Shatner. <laughs> Christmas horror story. But, um, but we, have this, we have this showdown between now Krampus and Omi. All right? Omi has locked the family out of the house, sent them on their way. She's going to sit there and make a stand. You know, and I'm expecting some serious shit to happen. Like, I'm expecting Omi to, you know, stand up and, like, in German or something like that, you know, hold up the bobble right. and be like, I, you know, despite despite you here in my face, I still believe in Christmas. I still yeah. believe in Santa, you know, and I'm expecting, like, something to happen to him where, you know, her belief may not be enough to defeat him, but her right. belief is enough to maybe put a couple chinks in the armor or something to show yeah. that, you know, the power of belief does something, you know, and mm-hmm. we don't get any of that. <laughs> nope. Not no, we definitely don't. You get the bag of toys that essentially takes yeah. over Omi, which is, is bullshit yeah. to me in a way. Um, Doc, <clears throat> when we go into the finale of this movie, you have Tom and Sarah and Max and, and the remaining uh, cousin, you know, running out with Aunt Linda into the, the dark, into the storm. The problem I had with it is the self-sacrifice that all of a sudden takes place, where all of a sudden everybody's just okay with sacrificing themselves. Like, starting with Tom, you know, saying, everybody, you just need to go. You just need to leave. Like, you know, I'll be fine. Like, you know, I'll fend off these creatures. I'll be fine. And you have him being dragged off. And then you have Sarah getting dragged off and Linda getting dragged off. It's, I felt like it was lazy. It's like, all right, now all of a sudden everybody's all about self-sacrifice and being okay with, you know, being killed. Like, I felt like it was just a really stupid way, like, kind of show what happens to these characters that have fought for so long. I mean, I feel like it was all just like you had to, you, you, you had to get to the end, you know, um, with the timing of this movie and everything, I feel like, all right, this is a way we can just kind of quickly start advancing to the, to the finale. Yeah. 
No, like, fucking that's exactly it, though. Like, it felt like they just needed to get to the end. Like, they need to fast-track this movie to end it at, like, the hour and 35, whatever it is of this movie. So we need to get there. So let's just have these characters just start sacrificing themselves so we can get to the end with uh, Max trying to save his cousin. And this is the one set piece. I was like, you know what? This is fucking Delrity. Like, this is the one piece. I'm like, all right, Delrity is back. He's in the director's chair. He's got the Krampus hanging out with his elves. He's got these fucking badass reindeers with the fucking skulls over their faces. It was like a a metal video. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a Swedish fucking black metal fucking music video. And it worked. I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. Because now it's like fucking Krampus wrapping up the night going, all right, good job, guys. Good job. High fives all around. We're fucking, we got the kids. (laughs) We got everybody. You know, we're moving on. But fucking Max is the one that has to stand up the Krampus. And, yeah, it was a good confrontation. But to me, it was a great set piece. I don't know what you guys thought about it, but it was a great way to kind of show you of Krampus wrapping up the night. You know, just you got to deal with this one fucking kid who made that wish. And all he wants to do is take it back. And that's not what Krampus is going to deal with. So what did you think of the Krampus party, Doc? (laughs) What's that? What did you think of the Krampus party at the end with everybody dancing with all the fire and stuff like that? Laughing, hanging out. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm starting. I'm getting some some static on okay. my end. No, the uh, the ending with, yeah. with Krampus, with his horses, you know, with the, the skulls over their heads. You have all the elves hanging out with the toys, and they're about to sacrifice the one cousin to the fire. Um, it was a great set piece, I thought, you know, to kind of have in the finale. You know, kind of showing you that Krampus kind of has this end game in mind. Did Did you like the cost and all that? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, it it fit with the whole with the the, the movie. You know, I between all of Krampus's uh, you know characters and helpers that we had seen thus right. far, um, I feel it was right in line with the world that you possibly imagine that, that Krampus comes from. Because mm-hmm. to me, it wasn't uh, like, it was the one non-comedic element of this movie, where it's like, now you have yeah, all the fucking characters ganging up in this one yeah. fucking clearing in the forest. Um, no, and, Max and saying, I, I, take it back. Yeah, and I really dug the whole set piece. I loved the costumes. Yeah. I loved that that was all done, and the whole vibe of how it was, of you know, we've we've got the giant pyre going on. We're getting ready to throw the last kid that we're going to take for the night. It it struck me as um, very the lion witch in the wardrobe right, right before the lion sacrifices himself. And we've got just this moment of just all these demonic creatures dancing around in the night, you know, by by firelight and this big right. ass pit into hell. I fucking loved mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um. Because he takes the bobble and he throws it at Krampus saying, I take my wish back. Like, I don't want any of this to happen. I just want my family back. Like, I don't mean this. And just give them back. Like, that's all I want. And, you know, instead, Krampus builds up this huge fucking pyre in the middle of the forest to throw his victims into. And he's still continuing with throwing the cousin into the, the, the flames. And when Max finally fucking runs up to him and he's like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry that I made this fucking wish. Like, take it back. And instead, you know, with Krampus, you know, putting his finger up against Max's face, 
he starts laughing at and, him. And I'm like, you know what? Kind of dug it. Like, you know, <laughs> it was like Dolby having final say. Like, you know, rather than, you know, have Krampus go, oh, it's okay, it's fine. Like, you know, it's, yeah, you know, it's fine. You took it back, it's fine. No, he throws them into the fire. And you have that great <laughs> shot of Max falling into the fire. And it's fucking Yeah, it was great. And But then again, you have the Christmas Carol, Home Alone type ending of Max waking oh. up in the house. And it was I a fucking so bad pissed. dream. Right? I got so pissed. Right? Doc, did you think it was a cheap shot to have that where it's like, was it a dream? Like, was I dreaming this? Was it a nightmare? I could have done Yes. Yes, because the way, you know, Max pleads his case to Krampus, um, you know, we, I don't know, I guess you figured, oh, all right, this is how we have the happy ending, and I figured he's going to go down, and, like, Christmas is going to be back the way it used to be. Right. And I was like, that's fucking, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's a fucking cheesy way out. Yeah. It was yeah. it was a fucking cheesy way out. Because um, he goes down the stairs and everybody's like, oh, hey, there's Max. Hey, let's open up our presents. Hey, we're having a good time. Like, you know, what up, man? And they're all yeah. happy. And Howard's wearing his Santa hat and the dog's in his costume. They're opening up gifts. And then when Max opens up the one present that's wrapped up in the ripped up letter, and it's the Krampus bubble. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh. whoa, that shit happened. Like, oh, we're having fucking flashbacks. We're having fucking voiceovers to tell us that this shit happened. And even the dog gets a flashback. Even the dog's like, yeah. Like, yeah, even the fucking dog remembers this shit happened. I was and like, this, yeah, and this, fucking weak shit. No, no, and this is the problem is, all right. Yeah, we had take it away, monkey. Yep. Shit, yeah, we had to shit through this, sit through the shitty ass animated sequence of Obi telling her story, and about how everyone in the village got decimated, and now everything's fine, everyone's back. You know what happened to all of the deaths that were supposed to happen with Krampus? You know, taking them away, throwing them into the underworld to be gone forever with all of his demons and t- demonic toys and shit like that. You know, no, no, it's fine. We're just going to sit there and pass out some hot chocolate and act like we were scared. It's like, you know, this is another major problem I have with the movie is we went through all mm-hmm. of this, and then after all of that, no death? Yeah. Everyone's fine? Yeah, and, and Doc, that's what I wanted to bring to you as well. Did you felt, again, is it another cheat to have Omi have this story about how everybody that she loved and everybody that she knew in this village is dead and they're in the other world? But yet now you have Max, who everything is fine, essentially. Like, nobody dies. There's no consequences. And I felt like it was a really fucking, like, a big fuck you to that whole story. No, I, you know, I didn't, I, that, that thought didn't even cross. I didn't even, I didn't get that deep. Um, <laughs> you know, that, by the time this is happening, that, that I had forgotten about that story long ago. It was not something that I really dwelled too much on. What I could have well, done. After... Yeah. What? Okay, ahead, Monkey. Go ahead. Okay. No, I was going to say, what I could have had with this ending, um, if you had had the realization that this all really did happen, like Krampus really did come, and now you're stuck in this world, if they had that push pull angle that horror movies are notorious for, I like them. A lot of people don't, where you push in, but you pull out at the exact same time, 
You have fucking Max scream his fucking head off, cut the credits. That's it. I would have been fine. I would have been like, you know what? This movie was bad enough, but I'll accept that ending. But you don't because then you have the Jeepers Creepers type ending where you have them in their house, but they're in a snow globe in Krampus's fucking workshop with a bunch of other houses. So are they stuck in Christmas world forever? Like, is this it? Like, they're just fucking not dead, but not alive either. They're just fucking stuck in a fucking snow globe. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, well, man, monkey, take it away. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, my preferred ending would have been uh, the whole thing of that we still have the pirate sequence going on. Everyone goes, you know, all the family gets killed, you know, into the pyre and all that kind of stuff. And then Max is left alone in the snow by himself. And then we have him holding the bobble, and we have Omi's words over top about, and I was left alone as a reminder. And I would have been fine with that as an ending. Okay? Um, but that's not what we get at all. And instead we get this, and I was thinking about it, and all right, so maybe the whole thing about the house and being in the snow globe and all that shit is, this is actually them now being in the underworld. They've been sucked down, and yes. now they are in Krampus, Krampus's world. And yes, none of maybe none of them did live, and they're you know now trapped in their own little house forever and ever and ever. Right, ha- and that's having, what I want to having to yeah. ha- having to relive Christmas, having to relive Christmas Day every day like it was fucking Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly the question I was going to pose to Doc as we close out. Is that, is that what they're proposing? Is that they are now stuck in this world where every day is going to be Christmas now? Like, they have no other choice but to live in this world. Because that leads to a whole bunch of other fucking questions. Like, where do they fucking go in the real world? Is anybody going to be looking for this fucking family? <laughs> well, their fucking whole house disappeared poltergeist style. And they're not here anymore. <laughs> we don't know where they went. And now they're just gone. Like, you know, obviously they have jobs, they have friends, they have boyfriends. No, they're, they're just gone. Like, and happen to relive Groundhog Day style Christmas. So what did you think about that, Doc? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to make this my last thought, and then i got to bounce off. But, like, I feel yep. that um, I hadn't considered, like, where they went in the real world. Um I don't know that I thought, oh, that they're here now and that every day is going to be Christmas, but I did was just like, oh, so, you know, they're now in this, they're going to be in this world for eternity, kind of like as a, you know, a entertainment piece for Krampus, where he can, like, look in, and, like, they become, like, his snow globe, he can look in on them, um, you know, for his entertainment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so... I know you have to bounce out, Doc, so thank you so much for joining us. Um, I yes. know next week thank is you, Ghoul's pick. Uh, yes. It is his birthday pick, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has because I know his birthday is the day after we broadcast, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he has. Uh, but until next time, Doc, thank you so much, and look forward to the next My episode. Pleasure, We're on. Uh, talk to you all soon. All right. Thanks for jo- joining us, Doc. All right. All right. So all right. Yes. Now, Monkey, go ahead. Uh, going back, we're gonna just backtracking. The reason I chose this movie to begin with is because, you know, you, you and I know, and um, all of our fans <laughs> know that 
this movie has a huge, huge following. You know, it really does. You know, um, I know your yeah. girlfriend loves yep. this movie. Loves it. <laughs> um, we, yeah. We've been getting a ton of feed. We've been getting a ton of feedback, just excitement that we're even covering this movie. You know, before we yeah. even did the episode, and it's a this. You know, and this is where I'm going to take a moment and, you know, piss on everyone because it's like, again, you know, why is there this huge following for what I consider a flawed movie? You know, it is, you know, and again, it's just because, and it hurts because Dory was so adamant about this ties into Trick or Treat. You know, it's part of the same universe with with The deleted scene we talked about. Yes. Um, you know, and if he had not pushed so hard to say that this was supposed to be part of the same universe, then I probably personally would have let this slide, you know, and be like, okay, man, you know, you had a fumble, you know, not your best shot, you know. But he was so adamant about that this was part of the same universe, you know, and Trick or Treat is just such a fun, dark ride, you know, and we don't get it here, and be. Because he went and did all of that himself, I felt like, for me, he shot himself in the ass because he raised the bar to a level that this movie didn't even come close to. No. Um, I, I completely agree with you um, on all, everything you just said. Because um, we had talked about it the other day, about how I feel like you have Sam in Trick or Treat being the spirit of Halloween. You know, and even yeah. in the opening vignette about blowing out the jack-o'-lanterns before midnight. Like, mm-hmm. you can't do that. Like, if you do that, that's fucking with the spirits of Halloween. Like, don't do yeah. it. Let them be lit, you know, and then November 1st, blow them out. You know, you don't want to get, you know, the spirits of Halloween mad. I felt like right. Universal probably just had too many fucking fingers in the cookie jars, you know, with Michael Delroy making this film. Like, I felt like if he had done this independently – it could have been more in line with Trick or Treat, where it could have been a fun fucking ride with Krampus, with the toys, with I mean, he could include everything, with the toys, the elves, and made it fun. Yeah. But instead, I think that the studio was just way too involved with making this PG-13, making this a wide release, and they didn't let him make the vision that he wanted. I don't know Michael Doherty personally. We, we both know. But I would love to talk to him and get his perspective on Krampus because like we had both said, trick or treat is important to me. I know it's important to you. Like I feel like it's required yeah, yeah, viewing yeah. every year for Halloween. Like it's Absolutely. such a perfect encapsulated <laughs> movie. This movie, I feel like you could show to a kid and even a kid would be like, really? That's it. <laughs> like this is Krampus. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's fine. Like, you know, there's nothing scary about it. There's nothing, you know, weird about it. But I felt like there was that kind of spirit of, like, Sam is with Trick or Treat, Krampus is with Krampus and Christmas. Um, it's just that right. Michael Doherty didn't have a chance to make the vision he wanted. Um, you know, and that's, that's what I leave it off at, is that Doherty didn't get the chance to make the movie that he wanted. He didn't get the vision. You know, he had too much studio interference. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's probably a good set there. I'd like to think so. I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, you know, I don't. I couldn't find a lot of interviews with Doherty about Krampus. You know, we're, we're talking about it and whether or not it was his vision to do everything that he did. You know, so I can't say for sure. Maybe this was his vision. Maybe this was his opportunity to make a PG-13 
very kid-friendly, very safe Christmas horror movie. Um, you know, it's just like you had said, it, it's fine, I guess, if you want to show a kid-friendly horror movie, but it's just, it's not Doherty. Like, you could do better. You did trick or treat. Right. You make a vignette and Krampus movie. Yeah, and that would have worked better, you know, because when you and I talked last night, you had said, you know, why not do a vignette movie? You know, just like yeah. with Trick or Treat, take take the time, you know, to teach the folklore behind, you know, gingerbread men, the elves, you know, and work your way up to, again, just like in Trick or Treat, work your way up to Sam, so work your way up to Krampus, you know, and have it all tie together. Yeah. You know, um, and it's like you had said, this movie has its followers. My girlfriend's one of them who fucking loves this movie, and I don't downplay it. I mean, you like it for whatever you like it for. Um, it's just not one yeah. of those movies that I would ever want to revisit. <laughs> Where it's, you know, if it's Christmas time, gotta watch Krampus. You know, there's other yeah. horror-related movies at Christmas time that I watch, like Black Christmas, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Christmas Evil, Don't Open Till Christmas. There's a ton of Christmas horror movies that I watch. Krampus is not in the rotation. Um, no. But I was glad that you picked it so we can get it out of the way. We could talk about it. Absolutely. I love talking about Doherty. I can't wait to see what he creates with Godzilla, King of All Monsters. I'm hoping that the studio lets him kind of make what he wants to make. But again, kind yeah. of hesitant because we saw what yeah. he did with Krampus. Yeah, and that's exactly why I'm hesitant too. But at the same time, you know, when it comes out, we both know we're going to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt, I'll be there. Um, especially because it's Doherty playing again with studio money. But right. make the movie that you want to make. You know, try at least. I mean, and yeah. I've said it before about George Romero, um, what landed the dead, where the studio Universal was behind him. But again, it felt like a Universal movie. It didn't feel like a Romero movie. And that's why mm-hmm. I, I'm not a huge fan of Land of the Dead because it wasn't right. George really presenting his vision for Land. It was the studio going, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to cast John Leguizamo. You have to have Dennis Hopper in this movie. It's like, all right, well, you're not letting him do what he wants to do. And that's why I, I'm not a really big fan of studio movies. I like the independent circuit. Like, I like when people can do what they want to make. Um, you know, yep. having their vision be told and not have a studio saying, you're playing with our money, so you have to do what we tell you to do. Like, I feel yep. like you're just not going to get the complete vision. Yeah, but we'll see with the new Godzilla movie. Either way, kids, right. that was Krampus. <laughs> Let us know what you thought about our episode and the movie on our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that said, uh, to everybody that celebrates Christmas, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all our fans that listen either live or to the podcast when it gets available tomorrow on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, thank you to Tia Radke, who is forever one of our best fans. We hope that you have the greatest of holidays. Uh, to Dustin Fallon, to Horror and Son, to Evisceration. There's so many people <laughs> you know, that support our show and really kind of give us the energy and just the vigor to do what we do every Wednesday night from 9 to 11. We love every single one of you, and we hope that your holidays are fucking great. Uh, We'll see you next time, next week, Wednesday. The ghoul should be back. It's his birthday bash. I can't wait to see what he picks. Uh, Monkey, I'm going to have you sign off, and then we're going to close it out. I'm the Mad Monkey saying happy holidays. 
Keep watching horror movies. <laughs> King, do your thing. As always, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Enjoy the holidays. Eat a lot of food. Deal with those families that you don't want to deal with. We'll see you back next time. Wednesday as we always do it. <laughs> Happy Love holidays, every everyone. One of you. Good night. <laughs>